<clears throat> well, I hope you had a great time uh, this Thanksgiving. And uh, I hope that high on your priority list of uh, things that you are thankful for was um, being thankful for Christmas. Being thankful that uh, God in the person of Jesus came to visit this little planet in this huge solar system and uh, came to uh, bridge the gap between himself and uh, all of us. You know, God hates distance and uh, loves nearness. And really, Christmas is all about God coming close to us. That's really what God wants to do, even this Christmas. Um, I would suggest to you that Christmas is about God wanting to come closer to you and to me, uh, even uh, so many years after that initial Christmas. In Ephesians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul talks about, you know, just uh, how, how this is, how much God hates distance. Uh, verse 13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Uh, God hates distance spiritually, hates distance physically, and God has brought us near by sending Christ uh, into the world. Uh, verse 19, you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints, the Jewish people, and members of the household of God, members of the family of God. God doesn't want you to be a stranger, but he wants to bring us into his family and uh, to bring us close to himself. And then uh, verse 22 puts it like this. Uh, in him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. God actually wants to live inside of us. That's how close he really wants to be. Christmas is all about God desiring to be close. And so uh, in the Bible, we read that um, when the angel came to announce uh, the reality of uh, Christmas uh, to the shepherds, <clears throat> that God intended Christmas to be uh, a time of huge, great joy. Not just a little bit of joy, not just some joy, uh, but of great joy. Luke 2.10 says, The angel said to the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that'll be for all people, including people like you and me. Great joy for all people. So God intended Christmas, this business of uh, him coming close to us, to be an occasion of tremendous joy. And I want to suggest that um, <clears throat> when we read this passage uh, and God's desire to bring overwhelming joy into our lives through Christ, um, the initial, uh, initial reaction is not so much joy. Uh, you'll notice that um, the angel first has to say to these shepherds in this verse, fear not, fear not. I've got great news of big joy Fear not, because the first thought whenever God wants to come close to people is fear. The first thought of God wanting to get really close, actually moving into our hearts, is fear. And so the first thing that um, the angel has to say to these shepherds is fear not. And I want to suggest to you that still today, uh, the idea of God getting closer to you this Christmas will probably be met by fear before there's acceptance and invitation to bring God into a deeper place in our lives, still today. And so in Luke chapter 2 and verse 7, uh, Jesus is born, right? It says uh, Mary gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. 
And so Jesus is born, and then God sends out the announcement, okay, about his birth, beginning in verse 8. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, chill out. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people, even you. You lowly shepherds out in the middle of no place, uh, watching the sheep. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those uh, with whom he is well pleased. It seems that before people can experience the joy that God intends, they have to get past the fear of the reality of God actually getting very close to us on a personal level. Fear not. Uh, could it be that our fears this Christmas keep God at a distance that God is trying to close as a result of coming uh, so many years ago? Now, I don't know, you ever think about how much fear runs the world? Ever think about how much fear is behind decisions that people make? How much fear controls people's thinking? Uh, how many activities are actually motivated by fear? Uh, fear of our enemies or fear of terrorism. I was talking to uh, somebody who said, you know, I was thinking about going to the uh, Thanksgiving Day Parade, but, you know, with these truck attacks that have happened around the world, I'm not going. I'm afraid of what might happen, and so I'm not going. Uh, <clears throat> think about the fear of growing old. <laughs> There's a whole industry of products, right, that are designed to have you not have to fear getting old. You just put this stuff on, and it hides it all. And, uh, you know, just pay a little money. The taboo of talking about dying because of the fear of death. Think of all the social activity that goes on and decisions that are made because of the fear of being rejected. Think of all the decisions people make. How much does fear really run the world? How many plans are canceled because of the fear of what might happen? And I want to suggest this morning that once fear becomes our focus, and once fear is able to settle into our spirits and into our thinking, uh, there are endless ways that the world feeds into our fears. And fear limits our growth. It limits our personality. It limits our faith. Uh, fear limits our hope, our ability to love. Uh, fear robs us of the peace and steals the joy that God intended Christmas and him coming close to us is supposed to give us. Fear paralyzes people. It keeps people from being and doing uh, what God created us to be and to do. Now, I know I've mentioned this before, but the truth is um, uh, the command uh, to fear not is the single most repeated command in the entire Bible. Uh, somebody counted up, and there are at least 365 times in which in some form or another, God says through his word, fear not. Fear not. 365 times in the Bible. In fact, the Bible comes right out and uh, says uh, here in 
Second uh, Timothy chapter one and verse seven, for God gave us a spirit not of fear. So if fear doesn't come from God, where does it come from? You guess. Where do you think the spirit of fear really comes from? Um, God gave us, uh, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Fear doesn't come from God, you know? And so when you think about um, the reality of the shepherds having this, uh, being filled with fear as God sought to come close, you realize this is kind of a universal uh, experience. Um, it can come from world events. Some people tell me they don't watch the news anymore because every time they watch the news, something bad comes on and it makes them be afraid that something's going to happen, you know, in their backyard. Uh, sometimes fears originate, you know, with uh, world events. Other times fears originate within our own hearts. Uh, maybe sometimes memories from things that have happened in the past, tragic events, words that were spoken, a divorce, a rejection of some sort when we were kids, uh, the decision we make, I'm never going to let this happen to me again. And uh, we begin to kind of allow fear uh, to limit our experience as human beings. And it's not that we don't experience or feel fear or anxiety or worry, but it's that we don't empower those feelings, right, to control our decisions or to enable us to um, uh, respond Whenever fear threatens to control us, the truth is we have a choice. We have God, on the other hand, saying, fear not. Every time fear comes knocking on our door, God is there like, fear not. Fear not. You don't have to fear. Uh, choose to trust me instead. You know, I think the purpose of fear is really to destroy faith. Faith and fear are opposite ideas. You can't have faith and fear at the same time over the same situation. They, don't, they can't exist together. They're uh, opposite ideas. So every time fear shows up, it's bumping out faith and the opportunity that we could have to embrace faith. Uh, the purpose of fear is to destroy faith, and faith really is the root of all the good things that God wants to give us. Faith is at the root of hope and uh, love and joy and peace, uh, all of the kinds of things that we cherish the most that God uh, wants to give us. And so um, I know that there's some people who are saying to themselves, well, you know, uh, fear isn't always a bad thing uh, because sometimes fear protects me from bad things. It keeps, makes me aware of danger and so forth. And uh, sometimes fear keeps me safe. Um, you might say, you know, uh, I'm fearful of terrorism. And so I'm not going to the Thanksgiving Day Parade. And, uh, but let's say you have a seven-year-old daughter, and your seven-year-old daughter sees these huge balloons on TV and would give anything in the world to go to this parade and to be there, to be part of the action and part of the fun and so forth. What's the difference between you and a seven-year-old girl? What, is, what do you have that the seven-year-old doesn't have? I want to suggest to you it's not fear. It's uh, knowledge. You know what can happen, and so you make a choice to not go. It's not fear. It doesn't have to be fear. Um, it's knowledge, and your knowledge enables you uh, to make a wise decision. 
and your small daughter doesn't have that same knowledge, isn't probably aware of the truck attacks that have happened in various uh, major cities around the world and so forth, doesn't have that knowledge, and uh, so doesn't have the choice to embrace uh, the reality of fear. It's not fear, but knowledge that keeps you safe. And of course, knowledge is at the root of faith, knowing the truth about God and what God has revealed to us uh, in his word. And so the more we know, the more we're able to respond in faith. It's not fear, but knowledge that keeps us safe. Knowledge, not fear, alerts us to danger. Uh, Fear is an option to choose on the basis of what we know. And it doesn't have to be an option that we embrace. So God first people live hope-filled lives. Uh, We live lives on the basis of what we know. Um, And no matter what happens to us, uh, we know, for example, that we as Christians can be more than conquerors. No matter what situation comes our way, uh, through Christ who strengthens us. Uh, We have a sure promise of a fabulous future. And that's why the Bible says, uh, for example, in Hebrews chapter 11... And uh, verse 6, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, okay? And then the verse goes on, for whoever would draw near to God, now God's trying to draw near to us, that's what Christmas is all about, and whoever would draw near to God must believe two things. Number one, that God exists, that he's real, and number two, that he rewards those who want to come close to him with him coming close to us. But without faith, that's impossible. And fear uh, is the, uh, I think, the enemy's attempt to destroy uh, faith. So fear is overcome by faith. In 1 John, you know, these are familiar uh, uh, verses. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4, for everybody who is born of God overcomes the world we overcome fear right we overcome the world and this is the victory that overcomes the world our faith faith and fear are opposite ideas every time fear shows up it's an opportunity to choose god shows up with it and says fear not and it's an opportunity to choose faith over fear Um, And when faith increases, fears decrease. The grip that fear has on our decision-making begins to fall away, freeing us up to live that uh, more God-first life. Faith, the Bible says in uh, Romans chapter 10, um, faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of Christ, which we have in the scriptures. How is it that you grow faith over fear? Well, it comes by hearing, by hearing the word of God. And so God says, fear not, just say no to fear. Again, you cannot have fear and faith at the same time in response to any given situation. But we can choose faith when we're convinced and confident that there really is a God and that God loves us and that God rewards us. He cares for us. He always wants what's best for us, even when we don't understand. There is a peace that passes um, our understanding. And it's a wonderful peace that only God can give. Um, 1 Peter uh, chapter 5 and verse 7. You're probably uh, familiar with this uh, passage of scripture as well. Cast all your anxiety or fear on him because he cares for you. Once you're convinced that God really cares for you and that he is a father and, and uh, that his uh, 
uh, his love for you has got a plan to it, and that, uh, you know, Romans 8, 28, uh, he can work everything together for good in your life, and once you become convinced of that, uh, you can choose faith over fear, and uh, it begins to dissipate the reality of fear. Philippians, uh, Paul says the same thing in Philippians chapter 4, um, do not be anxious. The Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't fear anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes our understanding, we can't always explain it. We don't always understand it. But the peace of God is so real, it surpasses our understanding, and it guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Okay? And so we have the power to choose our response in any situation. And uh, <clears throat> somebody once said this, I think wisely said this, um, what you think about, you bring about. What you think about, you bring about. If you allow your mind to be filled with fear and you think about fear all the time, uh, you'll bring about situations and decisions that will be based on fear. If you allow your mind to dwell on God's word and you build faith and you think faith, you, uh, what you think about, you bring about. And your life begins to uh, be marked as a God-first person who's living their life by faith. What you think about, uh, you bring about. And I, I think that um, the Bible says the exact same thing in Romans chapter 12, uh, where Paul writes to the church in Romans, says, um, you know, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to the world, but be changed, be transformed. How? How do you change your life? By the renewal of your mind. What you think about, you bring about. You want a transformed life? It starts with your thoughts. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Don't allow it to dwell on the fear, but realize you have a choice and uh, that your faith can actually grow um, when you allow it to dwell on God's word and God's truth. In Philippians, the next part of that same passage we just read uh, says this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence if there's anything worthy of praise, think about those things. So here's the Bible saying, look, what you think about, you bring about. When you think about these things, uh, you bring about a transformed life. And so it's very important what we allow to um, you know, go into our minds. Our minds can only process what we feed them, uh, which is why it's so important to choose the thoughts that we uh, feed our minds. You change your life by changing your mind. And uh, it, it's true, isn't it? Haven't you had experiences like this in your life where perhaps you've thought one way and then you encountered something from God and you changed the way you thought? You changed what you, the message that you sent to your mind and you start dwelling on the truth instead of the fear and all of a sudden you find out you're in a different place in a few weeks. How did that happen? How did it work? Did you have to work real hard at changing? No, you just changed the focus of your mind. And uh, what I'm suggesting here at Christmas time, especially when God wants to come close to us, is that we exchange fear for faith. And uh, we allow God's word to uh, take a bigger uh, place in the way that we think, and we find fears dissipating. 
You know, a big part of um, God-first living is simply uh, retraining our minds to be based on faith instead of fear. Uh, Our thoughts generated by faith create very different results than our thoughts generated by fear. Fear comes from looking inside of ourselves and looking to ourselves. And usually when we look inside ourselves, we find instability, right? Uh, When we look to ourselves, we're not sure. We're insecure. We're unstable. Uh, Fear looks inside. Faith comes from looking to God. And when we look to God, what do we find? Well, we find stability. We find the opposite of what we find in us, you know, and and we find um, security and, and, and so on. And so the choice, however, is ours. We always have a choice. Am I going to respond with fear uh, or am I going to respond uh, with um, faith? And so this Christmas, as God again desires to come closer to you and to me, <clears throat> uh, will we get over our fear enough to invite God into a deeper place in our life so that he have, might have more influence uh, over who we are and what we do? Christmas is God trying to come closer to us. And uh, God actually wants to take up residence in our hearts, right? Not just in our intellect, not just in our emotions, but in our hearts, in the place of our will, at the core of our being. He wants to kind of remake us into the likeness of Christ. And so uh, faith is the means to that end. And so When I think about the fears that some people have, you know, for some people, maybe it's fearing that, you know, if I let God get too close to me, uh, I'm I'm really afraid that he's going to be against me rather than for me because, you know, I'm guilty and I know I'm not clean and I know I've got issues and I know I've got this stuff from my past. And if I let God get too close, you know, and his light shines in my heart at the core of my being, I'm afraid. And so I fear allowing God to get too close because I'm afraid he's going to be against me. Faith responds and says, no, that's just not true. You know, if I allow God to get close to me, he's already forgiven me for uh, all of my sins. Um, in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 2, uh, God, uh, Jesus, is the propitiation for our sins and not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Have you ever thought about that? That when Jesus was on the cross, his sacrifice and his shed blood covered all the sins of all the people for all time in all the world. So I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. You need not fear that if you let God come close to you, he'll reject you or he'll be against you. He'll be for you. He's already paid the price to cover all the things that you're afraid he might reject you for. Uh, For other people, I think uh, they might say something like this. You know, I'm afraid to let God come uh, too close to me because I think he's going to upset my lifestyle. And you know what? I like living a me-first life. And I'm afraid if I let him get too close, he's going to try to create a God-first life. And I might not like that. And so uh, I fear allowing him, I keep him at an arm's length. I go to church, I serve committees, I you know, give him a few bucks from time to time, but I'm not going to let him get right down into my heart and, and so forth. And faith responds and says, hey, wait a minute. This is my father who made me and who knows me and who loves me and who cares for me. This is my father whose breath is in my lungs. And gives me life. I can trust him. 
He's never going to ask me to do something that wouldn't be good for me. And he's my father. He knows better than I do what I need and what I want and how he made me and so forth. You know, faith would say I can trust him. He's, he's not going to do anything that's going to hurt me. He's going to be for me, even if I don't understand it at the front end. Another kind of person might say, you know, I'm afraid and I fear God coming close to me because I think he might ask me to change. And uh, if he asks me to change, it might be hard. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not so sure I even really want to change. Uh, one, of the, um, one of the passages that uh, I often uh, turn to is uh, in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13, because God makes a promise here. He says, you know what? I'll never put you in a situation without giving you a way out. I never have to be afraid that God's going to back me into a corner and nail me to the wall. Uh, he promises that, you know, look what he says. First of all, no temptation has overtaken you that's not common to man. You ever think about that? Uh, there's sometimes people say, you know what? Nobody has it as bad as me. Poor me. You know, and I always think of this verse. No, you know, what your experience and other people have experienced. You're not the only one going through this. And God knows all about it, and it's not too big for him to handle. Uh, God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Now, sometimes I've questioned, and I think, well, this is way beyond my ability. <laughs> I am in a situation where I have to do something, and I think it's way beyond my ability, uh, and so forth. And, uh, but the temptation, with the temptation, he'll also provide a way of escape so that you can endure it. God will always provide a way out. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to fear situations that God might bring into my life because he's promised to be in the midst of them with me. And he's always promised me a way out. Don't let anybody ever tell you, well, you know, I just didn't have a choice. You know, poor me. I was brought up and, you know, my parents were terrible and my friends were terrible and my teachers were terrible and everybody in my life was terrible and poor me. I never had a choice, so I had to turn out rotten. No, you had a choice. Um, God always gives us a choice. And he promises to be with us in it, you know. Uh, another thing, sometimes people think of themselves as victims. And uh, I think by uh, refusing to let go of some negative experience or some pain from the past, uh, we hang on to these memories and even sometimes tie our identity. You know, who am I? You know, uh, well, I'm the poor person who was stiffed by so-and-so, and so that's why my life is a mess and I've never been able to recover and and change and so forth. But faith would say, no, I don't have to fear my past. Faith says, you know, I can become a whole new creation in Christ. God is bigger than anything that's happened to me in my past. And uh, sometimes people will say something like, you know, I just can't let go of the memory of what happened to me. You know what the truth is? You are the only person who can let go of that memory. That's the truth. You are the only person who can let go of that and some people are afraid to let God get too close because they're afraid that God's going to say, you have to forgive that person who offended you in the past and who's you know, holding you back from becoming who God wants to create you to be. And I'm afraid that if I forgive that person, all oh, my whole identity would be gone. And I'm not quite sure who I would be. And so we have all these different reasons why we might fear allowing God to come close at Christmas time. But Christmas is God coming close and wanting uh, to get into our hearts. And so our text here in Luke chapter 2 um, says that um, 
God is talking to the shepherds, and uh, God says to the shepherds, uh, you'll find the baby in a manger. <laughs> you'll find the baby in a manger. Strange place for God to be lying, don't you think? In a manger. You'll find the baby in a manger, lying in a manger. Uh, mangers are found in stables or in barns. You know, stables stink, right? Uh, and they don't have heat. I can remember as a kid going uh, with my parents here and there on vacation. We'd be in a barn someplace up in New York State and so forth. And uh, stables stink. They don't have heat. It's cold. The baby will be wrapped in rags to keep him warm. And uh, stables are never clean, right? Uh, the stench of urine and manure is, permeates the air. Cobwebs are usually found in the corners. And I remember looking up on the ceiling, all kinds of cobwebs, you know, and so forth found in the ceiling. And, um, and the manger, is a, it's a feeding trough. It's a feeding trough, right? Hardly sanitized. The wood that a manger would be made of is porous enough to take in the drool of the cows and the donkeys that eat there, right? And the sheep that have sneezed trying to get the last piece of hay and so forth from the manger. And that's where God decides to bring the very best of heaven to meet earth. Why? I know we know the circumstances and the inn was full and all of that, but maybe there's a... a, a Maybe there's a, a, another reason. Why would God choose that place to meet people? Well, maybe the stable resembles our lives. And maybe the manger resembles our hearts. And uh, maybe we're just not quite as sophisticated as we think we are from God's viewpoint. As God looks at us, it's different than when people look at us, and God sees all the truth about us. And uh, maybe some of the memories that surround our past are kind of smelly. And uh, maybe we're not so clean and not so warm either. Uh, some of the people who we hang around with, some of our family members that we were with on Thanksgiving and so forth, might be as stubborn as a donkey, you know, or as dumb as a sheep, or as dull as a cow. Uh, maybe some of them might be old or sick or hurt. And you yourself, uh, you, you, might, you might be a little bit like Joseph, a little slow on the download. Joseph, you know, Joseph and Mary. Uh, poor Joseph. Uh, maybe you feel like Joseph, you know. Every time you knock on the door, you're just a little bit too late. You know, he goes to the innkeeper, but uh, <laughs> it's full. Didn't plan ahead. Didn't, you know... Um, didn't really understand what God was up to uh, when Mary was pregnant and took him a little while and so forth. Uh, in fact, come to think of it, both Joseph and Mary had to get over fear before they could allow God to come close like he wanted to come close to them. Remember, they both had fears about God wanting to use them to bring Jesus into the world. Maybe our lives are a little bit like a stable and, and maybe the manger is a little bit like our hearts um, the manger is the place or our hearts are the place where other people uh, or others come to seek nourishment, where others come to find love 
and where others might come to find joy and peace and hope. But your own heart, you know, is stained with the leftovers of other people's drool and uh, maybe empty after others just keep taking and taking and taking and maybe even a heart that's angry because others have knocked over your heart, knocked over the manger. And maybe your heart's even broken from all the disappointment and abuse that's been a part of your past and so forth. And that is the place where God chooses to come and to live. That, of all places, is the place. That unsanitized reality at the core of our being is where God chooses to put heaven's best right in the very heart of our lives. And uh, heaven's best gift, Jesus, into our hearts. God's only begotten son in a manger, in a stained and broken human heart. Uh, And then he intends to actually fill that heart with life-giving hope and joy and peace and, uh, you know, love and the reality of all the gifts that God wants to give us. Why wouldn't God place Jesus as close as he could uh, right in our hearts, even if they resemble a manger? Uh, We can't allow fear to keep us from opening our hearts to this indescribable Uh, gift that God has for us in the person of Jesus. It's interesting in our text this morning, and I know you're familiar with the story, uh, but uh, the shepherds had to get over their fear. And so let me just read a couple of verses here in closing. Um, The shepherds, when the angels went away, verse 15, Luke chapter 2, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. God has spoken. We're going to believe him. Let's go see. Let's act out of our wills in response to what God has said. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at the shepherds, what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. How is it that the shepherds turned their fear into worship? How did their fear, their initial reaction to God coming close was fear, and by the time they responded to God's word and acted on what he said and went and saw for themselves, all of a sudden now their hearts are filled with worship or faith instead of fear. And how is it that our uh, fears can be uh, disseminated by our faith growing? And um, wouldn't it be great if we could identify this Christmas? Here's a challenge. What's a fear that keeps, that that makes you want to keep God at an arm's length distance from your heart? What are you afraid of if you were to give God more access into the person that you really are? If you were to give God more freedom, what fear keeps you from not opening your heart fully and allowing the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ to come and to rebuild our lives and to make them more like the original person that God intended uh, that we would be? What if we could identify one fear that keeps us from allowing Christ to have more access to our hearts? And what if we surrendered that this Christmas as our gift to him? and allowed faith to fill the place that fear has occupied for so long. 
in order that we might, in fact, be more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Christmas is about God coming closer to us. Fear not. I've got big news of great joy, which is for everybody who listens. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just uh, think about these shepherds. We think about the birth story of Jesus, and we think about that there is a God in the universe who is so far distant from us but goes, jumps over all the hoops and goes through all the hoops to come close. And Father, we thank you for what you did in Jesus at Christmas time. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that we would uh, be able to, by, with your Spirit's help, sort of look into our hearts and figure out, is there some kind of fear that keeps us from surrendering more of ourselves to you so that we could have more of the great joy that you intended Christmas to bring. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that we would open our hearts wide. Let every heart prepare him room, uh, the uh, Christmas carol says. And uh, that we would not be like the innkeeper with no room, but that we would be uh, wide open hearts that you could have more of us and that you would fill us with more of your joy and your love your peace, your hope, and that we, Father, would reflect more of the person of Jesus in our lives as we live out our days on this earth. In these days, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.